attention to Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Uh, there's a great sense of God's presence amongst us tonight. And as Paul said, if you're here for the first time, um, we often say this is an unlikely setting for a church, but it really is a community of believers that are on a journey. Um, <clears throat> the journey started. Uh, he started from humble beginnings in Field Mill Football Ground nearly six years ago. And here we are now with this being our building. And uh, we don't say that with any pretense, but we're so thankful to God for what he's done. And uh, we see more. We see more of what God wants to do uh, in this needy area. We see more people being saved. We see more people being restored. And uh, we're believing that God's going to do something really amazing in these days. So you're welcome tonight. And we believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something about the word of God. Whoever gets up there, be it Julie, Paul, Andy, Christine, Christian, me, whatever. We're not just giving a few thoughts. We're not just giving a little talk. We've waited on the word. And we believe as the word comes through us, something communicates to people and sets us alive in God. If you've never become a Christian, you can become a Christian tonight. If you've never said, I've decided to follow Jesus, you can do that tonight. And uh, in this series, which we're concluding tonight, called Essentials, we, want, we believe it's God's purpose for every Christian believer to find a community of believers where they can thrive and prosper and they're living their lives and they're able to see, this is what I was made for. That's the heart of God. That's the desire of God in this church. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you, to do, uh, want you to do whatever we ask, which is quite a question. What do you want me to do? Jesus replied. They said, Lord, uh, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand in glory. He says, you do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I am... Uh, I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. They said, we can. Jesus told them, you shall drink the, the, uh, the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit in my, at my right hand or my left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When they... When the other ten disciples heard this, they were indignant. And they said to James and John, uh, uh, with James and John, and Jesus called the disciples together and says, you know that uh, those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Listen, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul reminded us of our growth track and our growth track in this season very intentionally from the leadership of the church is combining with what we've called our essential series, which concludes tonight, this Palm Sunday evening, 
in Arena Church as we prepare our hearts to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus over next weekend. And the first part of essentials is that every one of us would come to know God. We believe that the expression of knowing God is baptism, which we will witness next Sunday evening. As Paul was saying that, don't underestimate the journey of baptism in Mansfield. When we first started off, we had to take people to Ilkeston. But now we do it here. I believe that's a landmark in the church. I believe it's a step forward. I believe it's something significant. And we're believing for many, many more baptisms in this building. Knowing God. Number two, that we would find freedom. And we realize that when we come to Jesus, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed, but there's often a journey. And we believe that as we find an expression of small group within the wider community of, G, of, of believers, it helps us increasingly to come to a place of being truly free. And then we discover our purpose. And in the growth track, there'll be something there that will help us increasingly define the grace that sits over our life. You know, lots of Christians spend time trying to be something they're not called to be. If you're not musical and tone deaf, uh, it's no good praying. I wish I could be like Julie. Um, because you're not going to be. And uh, didn't the guys do great tonight as they led us in worship? And uh, the fact is, if you're not musical, you're not musical. But God says, you've got a part to play in the body. And you know that the Bible teaches that the body has many parts. Stop trying to be somebody else's part and find your part. Some people believe that they can't play a part in the body unless they're on the platform. Well, friends, there's far more to ministry than being on the platform. We need a platform presence. We need a charisma lead. We need something that inspires people. But if I can say it humbly, if you want to pay the price of being on the platform, then sign up for it because of the cost to it all. But not everybody's on the platform. It doesn't mean that you've not got a gift to the body of Christ. Discovering your purpose. And then finally, making a difference. And we believe that God wants us in Arena Church to come to a place where every one of us sit on what we call the dream team. There are many expressions of that team in many, many teams in Arena Church. But every one of us, young people, older people, people that sometimes say, well, you've not, other people said, you've not got nothing to give. People sometimes that have fell on the scrap heap, all sorts of people that God's redeeming back to himself and bringing them to a place of serving on the dream team. And Jesus, in these words to the disciples, says, this is what we're made for. Now, over history, people have tried to make a difference in numbers of ways. There have been people that have tried to make a difference through power, politically, through might, militarily, through control, even of nations. You know, if you've read a little bit about history at times, you think, how could a nation fall for that, the power of control? Somebody wanted to make a difference, but for all the wrong reasons. And then, of course, there are people that have clearly made a difference through 
the blessings that God in it all has given. People have made a difference through medicine, through education, through humanitarianism, through philanthropy, through technology. <clears throat> See, I lived in a world before Steve Jobs invented the iPad. You know, but he made a difference. Through industry, through the arts, we recognize that some of these people have been motivated by faith. But what about the believer? What about the Christ follower? What is the tour de force that God has given to the church to make a difference? Well, listen to what Jesus says. He says, guys, don't be like those officials and those rulers in the New Testament. They lord it over people. They come over people. And of course, Jesus in the New Testament was speaking to an oppressed, pushed down, limited, constricted people. And people were used to people lording it over them. He said, I've not called you to do that. I've called you to come under. I've called you to serve. I've called you, if you want to be great in the kingdom, to come under people. You think, well, how's that going to work? That's not going to change the world. Well, actually, friends, if we get it right, that's exactly what will happen. A serving, powerful community of believers that expresses itself in local churches all over the nation and the nations, not coming over people to push down, but coming under people to lift up. And it changes people more than we could ever realize. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Christ follower that stood against um, Nazi Germany in the Second World War. And just before the end of the war, he paid the ultimate price for his faith. And Bonhoeffer said, we don't need brilliant personalities in the church. What the church needs is more and more faithful servants. Faithful servants. So Phil... I thought I was a son. I use that word generically, ladies. And the reality is that we're absolutely sons of the living God. And out of the security of our sonship, God brings us to a place where we want to pour out in service to him and to others. Notice in our Mark 10 reading that the people were jockeying for position. And maybe sometimes some people are more interested in position than perhaps we realize that our passion is that we would come to a place of serving God and of giving all unto him. Now, does every believer arrive here? Well, I've been in ministry quite a long time. And I don't think I've yet found a church where 100% of the people that claim to be part of that church is serving. I wish I could. And in Arena Church... The percentage is very high. We thank God for that. And people that have worked uh, to encourage it. But why not every believer? Well, let me try and give you one or two answers. Firstly, the flesh. Not, not this. Certainly not this. But the old life. Serving. Serving. No thanks. I just want to come to church and be blessed. I just want to sort of dip my bread in and get a great word. I just want Paul Stokes to lead us like he led us in prayer tonight and then go home serving. That's what God's called us to, friends. 
And then, of course, status. You see, I think there are more people in the church of Jesus Christ interested in status than perhaps we'd like to admit. I wonder if I can get my name on a cassette CD. I wonder if I can be on the internet. I wonder if God's going to make me famous. Interestingly, some of the people that aren't famous aren't bothered about being famous because they're just bothered about being servants. But things, friends, that so sit against the world's attitudes at times that really don't mean anything. And then I say this without qualification. Being a servant will on occasions mean that we've got to sacrifice. You heard Paul talk about taking leaflets out, giving a night. Paul and Carl have been involved in another context this week, sacrificially. There are people around this room, friends, that we know nothing about, that sacrificially give of time, not because they're trying to get to God, but because God's got to them and made a difference in their worlds. As we come to Easter, one of my favorite verses is this. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that word denial simply means to contradict yourself. To cut across what you'd always want and be prepared to sacrifice on behalf of others. So our passion in Arena Church is that we find a fulfilled place of knowing the Lord, of increasingly finding freedom, of discovering why God has placed us in the earth, and then inevitably making a gift, a difference by being on a team. Now, in the second part of the message, I just want to remind us, and they will just be bullet points, of seven things that reflect the servant heart of the church. Here's number one. Servanthood follows the example of Jesus. As we read in Mark 10, the Son of Man did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve. What a servant Jesus was. Graham Kendrick wrote that great song a number of years ago now that caught the balance of Jesus being the servant king. Not just the king, the servant king. When Jesus came to the earth, when Jesus came to his part of the earth in Palestine, people wanted political upheaval. People wanted another kingdom to be implemented and they completely understood the kingdom that, misunderstood the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. And Jesus said, I've not come to do that. I've come to lay an example of serving. Secondly, servanthood reveals a great heart attitude. Ephesians 6, 7, we're to serve wholeheartedly. Now, Paul was watching the football yesterday. And it's always a challenge when you watch football on a Saturday and you're leading a meeting on a Sunday. But I wonder if Paul said to his friends as he went yesterday, or whether he said it in recent times, you know that guy there, his heart's not in it. His heart's not in it. And every supporter can put up with things going wrong at times, as long as the people that are in front of them that are being paid are, put, are serving, are competing wholeheartedly. And God's passion, friends, tonight is that we would wholeheartedly serve the purposes of God. One of the great challenges of the church is that we don't run to apathy and disinterest. Number three, 
servanthood states our first priority. In Matthew chapter 6 and 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. The context there, some of you in your Bibles will find the word mammon and other people money. The context is that you can't serve money and serve God and say they are both your master. There'll be a contradiction somewhere. And we've all come across people that have tried to do both and often to their harm. Now, after Easter, we'll be looking at encouraging us to get the right priorities with regard to money. But here's a couple of quotes. Bishop J.C. Ryle says, it's possible to love money and not have it. And it's possible to, it's possible to have money and not love it. <clears throat> That's a great place to be. Someone else says, if money is your chief source of security, it will also be the chief source of your anxiety. God knows. <clears throat> Number four, servanthood un- understands true greatness. I want to be great in the kingdom. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great must first be a servant. And I realize that around Arena Church, week in, week out, we have expressions of true greatness. There are things that take place that nobody else knows about. There are things that are done that few, that, that people don't get the plaudits for, but they've understood the power of true greatness by serving the Lord. Number five, servanthood acknowledges the need of others. Notice we're talking about a dream team. Not a dream self. Not a dream you, but a dream team. It inevitably draws other people into the picture. We have a little mantra in Arena Church that says, it's amazing what can be done when it doesn't matter who gets the glory. Dot, 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 dot. It doesn't matter. Or only if you've been in a church where it does matter. In other words, I've done all the work. And then Andy gets all the plaudits. It doesn't matter. But does it matter? By the way, it doesn't matter. But you can see what I'm saying. And when we work in a team, sometimes you will do all the background work and somebody else will emerge in the final moments and get all the front ends of what's taken place. But when we're serving together, it really doesn't matter. The passion of Arena Church is that every one of us would find our part in serving in the body. We get a lot of Christians saying at times, I'm just this, I'm just that. Julie prophetically spoke into it this morning. I don't think I've got anything to give. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the parts of the body that seem, in, that seem dispensable the parts of the body that seemingly we could throw away are absolutely important and imperative. If I can say, friends, without patronizing, you may just be a little finger in the body. Ever broken your little finger? Guys, and he's trying, trying to shave them. All of a sudden, it seems important. Ever broken your toe? Oh. And you're important. You're important. And we break off in Arena Church any words that have ever been spoken about people 
that demean your contribution to the body of Christ. Jesus needs everybody. Servant of friends, sixthly, is following and following is serving. They just work together. John 12, 26, whoever serves me must follow me. If you're a follower, you'll be a server. And if you're a server, you'll be a follower. They just work together. Seventhly, servanthood lives out a right focus to serve God, to serve each other, serve one another, and to serve the world with works and words. The passion of Arena Church is that we would go and grow and love and serve our community. And we want to do that unconditionally. As I draw the message to a close, can I just take you to a meeting that I was in a week last Tuesday, interestingly in commentary again. And it was a group of about 60 or 70 leaders that were meeting together for uh, strategy, for prayer, for encouragement. And in the afternoon, our speaker was a man called Matt Bird. Uh, Matt's become a friend of mine and he's become a friend of Assemblies of God over the last few years. Matt's a guy that you think, how do you fit all of those things, Matt, into your world? He works with very high net worth London companies, international companies, in terms of uh, helping those companies to have better relationships. And he said, if you think the church sometimes has a problem with relationships, let me tell you to some of these big offices. He's a Christian. He lives in a posh part of South London. He's white, and he's an elder in a black majority New Testament church of God. I don't know, but it works. And a few years ago, Matt wanted to make a difference. He didn't want to make a difference so that he got glory. He didn't want to do it on his own. He wanted to serve the local church. And so why is he called Cinnamon Network? Because he met with a few pals in a curry house just around the corner from the Houses of Parliament called Cinnamon. And so the story began. And God began to get all of Matt's and his contribution to the body of Christ, which is an ability with his fiscal skills to raise tens of thousands of pounds to help the local church. And what Cinnamon then do is they give micro-grants to churches to help those churches find traction in certain areas of ministry that God has called them to do. Let me give you one answer. And they've, had, they've got over 30 best practice projects um, that they now work with. But we've said several times in Arena Church that not all boys and girls like school holidays. I know it's hard to believe. But you see, in the primary school that my daughter works in, in inner city Nottingham, 78% of the kids are on free school meals. And that's a guarantee that in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day, when they're at school, they'll get a good square meal. When they're on holiday, with respect, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. So there are churches that have, for instance, put together holiday clubs that gather kids together and give them a square meal in the middle of the day and bless them when they're not in school. Cinnamon has fostered that, and all over the country there have been churches engaging that. There's so many more things. But the powerful thing about Matt sharing that day is, why do we do what we do? And he took us to Romans 5, 8, where the word of God says that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. You see, by a miracle tonight, we're here, but we could have been anywhere. I think it wouldn't be an exaggeration for some of you to say tonight, because of your lifestyle, if Jesus hadn't got hold of you, you'd have been dead. You'd have certainly been in brokenness. You'd have certainly destroyed relationships. And you certainly wouldn't be in the place that you're in tonight. But while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He poured out to you when you were going in the opposite direction. He loved you when you didn't love him. He wooed you to himself. And that reminded us that that is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we continue to go on a journey in Arena Mansfield of reaching out to our community, and there's so much more to come from us, remember prophetically, not trying to replicate Ilkeston, but finding the journey of God here to reach the community. God says that as we'll reach out with the true gospel, that while people are still sinners, we'll show the love of God to them, God will do what only he can do. We have to leave that with him. And that is the true expression of servant ministry. As I close, let me just read a quote to you. It's a quote from a classic book on servanthood. And the senior leader of the church says these words. He says, without the work of servants, countless wounds would not be tended. Mouths would not be fed. Grieving people would not be comforted. Broken marriages would not be mended. Lonely people would not be embraced. Children would not be nurtured. Countless cups of water would never be offered in Jesus' name. And countless spiritual seekers would never be befriended or helped to find Jesus in their own life and world. What do you have to offer? More than you probably think. And I would suggest all of us tonight have more to offer than we think. And we need to press into the more. You have the gifts and talents that you were born with. The passions that inspire you. The blessings of education. The skills that you've honed as you've worked at home and in the marketplace. The life experiences that have improved you. The pain that has deepened you. The love of neighbor that spills from God into and from God into your heart. Once you decide to invest even a small portion of the blessings God has given you into the lives of others, you will find the seed of something powerful sown into your own soul. And someday, in the midst of giving yourself in the spirit and act of serving, that seed will blossom into the amazing realization that this is what you were made for. Friends, tonight as we close off our essential series, this is where we want everybody to arrive at. It may take some people longer than others. There may be some hurdles and tripwires in the way. There may be some discouragement that needs to be overcome. But oh, if we can increasingly find in Arena Mansfield a group of people that are passionate about knowing God and other people finding him, that are increasingly wanting to press into the freedom that Jesus has purchased for them in the power of the cross, 
that want to find their skill and grace set in the body, contributing with others, then we'll come to a place not of trying to get over people, not so you, but coming under them. The tour de force of the Christian church is servanthood. And when we get it right, we really can see the changes that we long for. Thanks for listening to a croaky old man. Bless you.